The number one regret I hear from people who've gone through a divorce is that they didn't prepare in advance. There's no do-over in divorce, so planning early in the process is a game changer. Divide and Thrive's Divorce Planner takes the guesswork out of what to do. Their planner has helped thousands of people throughout the U.S. and Canada save time and money during divorce and have peace of mind. Their program guides you through how to set divorce goals, tackle your budget with easy-to-use financial planning tools, streamlines your essential document collection, and simplifies asset cataloging. Recommended by divorce attorneys, mediators, and financial advisors, the easy-to-use planner helps you address the emotional and business sides of divorce and create your best next chapter. Check out www.divideandthrive.net for reviews and a peek inside the planner. Use code SUSAN22 for 20% off. Divorce is hard. Divide and Thrive makes planning for one easy. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. We spend more time with your kids during the day, during their waking hours, than you do. So especially at the elementary level, maybe not so at middle school, high school, but we know your kids and we know when their behavior is off. And it's just so disempowering as a teacher to see a little child and there's nothing you can do because the parent is preventing you. Tell us. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. And today I am so excited because we are taping this on World Teachers Day, and I have a teacher or former teacher, but teacher for 21 years joining us today, and we're going to be talking about how as parents going through divorce, you can make the school your ally and help the school help your kids. So I'm so excited to have one of my friends. I I know you hear this all the time, listeners, but one of my friends from Southern California, Claudia Brown Coulter joining us today. Claudia, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, Susan, this is such an honor. Thank you for having me. Well, we are so excited. And first, let me just say, it sounds like you're in the military, but I do want to say thank you for your service. (laughs) 21 years as a teacher uh, you know, we were just talking about this in the pre, uh, pre-recording pre chit-chat, and, you know, that is a lot. It is a lot to be responsible in so many ways for so many other people's children day in and day out. And I know, you know, how much care and love and compassion that you brought to your role as a teacher. So I know you you have just recently left that to become a full-time mediator. You are a member of our Austin Guthrie um, family of mediators and practitioners, but 
just thank you for the 21 years you did fulfill that role and help our families. Thank you. And I love kids. Kids are wonderful. They're just, they're the best part of this world. Kids are great. Right. Until we mess them up. Right. So (laughs) no, I didn't say that listeners. What I mean is um, we all mess people up. Things happen. And it's about how we help them respond to those, to life, life happens. Um, and then we just have, as parents, you know, individuals, we have to be the best we can be. But yeah, we mess kids up and we just try to fix it on the back end. Yeah. Well, and that goes, I love that we're talking about that because it kind of goes to what we're talking about today is that, you know, so many parents don't realize the incredible resource that they have available to them and more importantly to their children when the family is going through any stress or changing situation, divorce being one of them. I would say it's really any major stressor or even little stressor. It doesn't have to be a stressor with a big S. It can be a stressor with a little S. I'm really glad that we're tackling this topic today. I want families and parents to realize the resource that's available to them with their teachers, with their school administrators, with the school community. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I want to say, so we here as divorce professionals always hear from clients The kids don't know. They don't know about what's going on with the divorce, right? And we know that's not true. A lot of parents say that about the teachers. Oh, the school doesn't know we're going through a divorce. I see. So for those of you who can't see Claudia's face, let me clue you in. Just as your kids know that something's going on, your teachers and your school administrators, they know something's going on in the family, whether it is a divorce or other significant change. And and I wanted to start there, Claudia, because very often people don't make the school aware of these major changes that are happening in their children's lives, do they? No, they don't. And it's true. Teachers know because we we spend more time with your kids during the day, during their waking hours than you do. So especially at the elementary level, maybe not so at middle school, high school, but we know your kids and we know when their behavior is off. Um, and actually, Susan, so I wanted to tell you a story. This was probably, I. it was so many years ago. I don't remember her first name. I just remember it started with a D. I could still see her face. A sweet little girl. It was third grade. Nice little girl. And then all of a sudden there was this major shift. She knocked the desk over. Uh, she would refuse to leave the classroom. So like the whole class were held hostage because I can't leave the kid in the class alone and we got to go to the library. So it was a mess. The mother would not talk to us. She just blamed it on an absent father. We as a school could not give that little girl the support she needed. And for me, and this is terrible, I'm going to tell on myself. As a teacher, I began to lose empathy for her because she stopped being like this well-rounded human that I could see. And I could all I could see were her flaws because she was making everyone's life so difficult. And now you all probably think I'm a bad teacher and that's okay. I'm being human. (laughs) Like she made it so difficult. Whereas if the mom had told us this is what's happening, this is a major change, something bad happened in our family or something bad happened to her or something is going on. We could have had empathy. I could have had more empathy. We could have set up counseling. We could have done so many things to help her, but we were left in the dark. And there was only so much we could do. And it was so frustrating. And so it was like, you see this eight-year-old and her light goes out. 
and there was nothing we could do to help. And we, I tried. And it's just right. so disempowering as a teacher to see a little child and there's nothing you can do because the parent is preventing you. So don't do that. <laughs> Tell us. It, well, such a good point. And I, I can hear hearts breaking around the world with that phrase, this little girl and her light went out. But that's what you see as a teacher, right? You don't always know why the behavior has changed, mm -hmm. but you know it's because something is happening in that child's life. And I do want to point out, very often school is a place where children will manifest behaviors that that show that they're upset or going through upheaval or change because school is often a safe place for children. And so it's where they can let their emotions out, yeah. right? So yeah. they may be in the home and this is no, you know, uh, slam on parenting, but when there's conflict in the home or something going on in the home, sometimes children become cautious about mm -hmm. expressing themselves there. And then they get to school where they do feel safe and that's where the bad behavior or the different behavior yeah. will come out. And, and that's what you see. That right? is what we see. And part of the reason why school is safe is because it's there every day. It's the same people every day. There's routines, especially with the little kids, there's routines and structures. They know that at 10, 15, it's recess. And at 145, it's story time. They know. So there's predictability in their day and predictability helps the kids feel safe. And so because they feel safe, then they begin to act out. But the teacher is not the parent. So you can't just pick them up and be like, be quiet. You know, you can't, you can't do that. That's not your kid. Right. Right. Well, and so you're, you're somewhat constrained. And even in your ability to, you know, talk specifically to one child, right? You have a classroom with, I, I don't know, 30 some odd children in yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And how do you single out that one child to have a conversation with them to try and dig underneath um, when you have a 29 other kids in the yeah. room? So it's hard to have for teachers to have that private conversation, um, especially when they're in the dark about what is going on. And, and that's what we're talking about. And I love that you've, you raise this issue of predictability and, and ongoing, you know, patterns for kids at school, because very often what we see, right, when kids go through divorce or there's other major change in a child's life at home, very often the home routine is upended. Yeah. It goes out the door or they're in two households now. And so again, school can be something of a breath of relief for them because now it's known. It's not the unknown, it's the known. Yeah, and even to the point where they know that there's gonna be food there, you know? And they're gonna have somebody that is their equal. They've got friends there. Uh, and I will say, um, even if you have children who aren't of school age, you're gonna notice a pattern once you start separating. Maybe your baby slept through the night and they stopped sleeping through the night. So you're going through hell and your baby's going through hell. And on top of it all, you can't even sleep. Like it just is this major upheaval and you need the daycare provider. You need everyone around you. And it feels uncomfortable. You're like, I'm like telling all my business. They're going to tell on you anyway. The kids are going to, their behavior is going to tell on you. They're going to talk about it. They're going to have something in their backpack. They're going to come to school with papers in their backpack that should have gone to your attorney, not you. Like it, anything can happen at a school. So it is so much better to be forthcoming and just be like, look, I need you to support my child because I'm a mess right now. I, I mean, think about the power of being able to do that. 
and knowing that a teacher will consider that a gift, I think, right? A way to help your child and, you know, also honor the trust that you just showed in sharing that. And you don't have to come in and explain, you know, my wife cheated on me with the pool boy and <laughs> they don't need to know all of the, your personal business, right? I'm sorry, I'm laughing because so, you're painting such a picture of like, oh, the pool yeah. boy. <laughs> I had that case once. So for some reason, that that popped into my mind. I was like, what is a pool boy? Um, but yes, people, they, there's always a lot of information around a divorce, a separation, a breakup in families. Um, but they, your teacher doesn't need particularly that information. But what, as a teacher... If you were going to come up with a checklist of the information that would be helpful to you, what would you tell a parent to share with their child's teacher? Let us know that you're going through a divorce or a separation and um, that the kid's in two different homes because it's really important to be like, Adrian, how come you ain't got your homework? Oh, I left it at my mom's house. Didn't your mom drop you off at school? No, I was at my dad's house. How are you supposed to know? So right. the teacher can help, depending on the age of your child, they can help your child become more responsible for their homework and things like that. Or they can talk to you about that. But you need to let them know, okay, um, yeah, we're in two separate homes, but he only goes to his dad's on the weekend. Things like that. I want to make sure you still have both of our email addresses because your spouse, the jerk, the you know curse word, whoever did whatever, they're still your child's parent. And they still have ed rights. They have educational rights. And so the school still needs to communicate with them. So you need to let the school know. Make sure, you know, let us know new address. Make sure we have your email, your contact information. Um, if you're living with grandma, let us know her information too. Uh, but just let us know what's going on so that we can make sure, okay, this is new. They forgot their homework again. Or, you know, we can message you like, you know, he didn't look too clean today. I'm not sure if he got a bath last night. And there are situations like that where this last year I had a, a a student who went from living with mom to living with dad and then moving out of state because mom was was able to admit that she could no longer care for her children. And it just was no longer a safe place. And the little girl was 11. She was the oldest. And it was just too much pressure on her. And as much as she loved her mom, she was she was glad to be gone out of the house. So there are situations where, you know, things change. And so as a teacher, it allowed me to be empathetic towards her um, and show compassion to her. It wasn't as if like, oh, that's just, you just get a free ride. Nah, girl, you ain't got no free ride. But <laughs> I can have compassion on you so that when you up in class acting the fool, I can check you. Susan, you're getting the real me. You're getting the real me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would check that kid be like, okay, you need to knock it off. This is not appropriate behavior, but I understand where it's coming from. So then when we have a moment later, we can have a little moment together where I can connect with them because your teachers want to connect with your kids. And when they have information, that's all they need to do. And they don't need the, the to your point about the drama. We don't need that drama because we still have to communicate with the other parent. 
Well, and such a key point there, right? That many parents, and this is a bone of contention for so many parents when we get them into the mediation space, right? Where one parent has been the primary contact with the school. Now parents have separated into two households and the parent who was not the one in contact expects that the one who has always been the contact is going to continue to be the funnel of information. Whereas that person's like, "Uh uh-uh, not my job anymore, it's your job. But this is the sort of thing, as you just pointed out, then just give them the other parent's email and say, would you kindly copy both of us on all communication? Yeah. As opposed to turning this into a major conflict between the two of you. Support your kid, Mm -hmm. making sure that both parents know what's going on by just turning over the email address. And if you're the parent who didn't take charge of getting the information, get in touch with your child's teacher and and give them your information. If you were, you know, the parent who wasn't involved and now you're going through divorce and you decide you're not going to be involved. The school's going to stop reaching out to you. They're going to reach out to the person who gets the res- who they get a response from. And I want to bring up another point. So there was another t- a teacher that I worked with and um, this kid got to fourth grade. And up until that point, like the teachers, this was before we were emailing people. Um, the teachers were making two copies of the report cards and two parent conferences. And so this teacher was like, no. You can go make a copy. Well, she didn't say it like that. She was a lot like she was like, you can go make your own copy. I'm not making you two copies. And this is when your conference is. I'm not having two conferences. And this is what I try to tell people. Like, your teachers are exhausted. The last thing they need to do is have two parent-teacher conferences about the same kid when they've got 26 to 35 conferences they have to do and they have to tack you on to. No, just be grown up. Like, and this is so uncomfortable because it just, just be grown up for like 35, 45 minutes, find out all the good stuff about your child and celebrate together. Actually, Susan, my ex-husband and I, we just had a parent conference for our child and we sat next to one another. We were in contact like, oh my God, I'm running late. Okay. We, We made it. We both made it. We both sat there together. And then afterwards, he texted me, what did you think about this? Because he's our child's in elementary school. So I appreciated that he took my opinion into play, you know, into consideration. But we were able together as parents who share 50-50 custody, celebrate our child and go, wow, we're, we're not doing so bad. We're doing okay. And it was a really great moment. And as I've gone through life post-divorce, I'm having, knocking on wood, more and more and more of those good moments with my ex concerning our child. So it really is possible. And we just stay in contact and you can do it. And the teacher communicates with both of us and it's fine. It's a muscle that you have to flex, right? It's an exercise. The one thing I do think of when it comes to parent-teacher conferences, and this is because it's come up in cases that I had back in my litigation days, is unlike Claudia, who is a trained mediator and actually does that for a living, most of your teachers are not there to be a facilitator of you, your discussions with your co-parent. So as much as, you know, if you're, if you're going to these parent teacher conferences, don't bring your conflict into that room or expect your teacher 
to be the arbiter or yeah. decider or person yeah. who's going to facilitate your your conversation. That is appropriate to get information from your teacher, mm -hmm. give them information, ask for, you know, where do we go from here's and then if you need to discuss things, then go to your mediator. Yeah. Yeah, and and also, so I know this is coming out at a time probably well past teacher conferences, but so many times people avoid those conferences. Those are really important. Just our last conference I said to our teacher the teacher, uh, our child has asthma. She didn't know, even though he has an inhaler in the office, she didn't know. So, you know, those types of things, that's where your moment where you can have this one-on-one -on -one conversation with them so they can know your child better and then they can serve them better. Teaching is an act of service and your teachers are overtired. They're overtired. I don't care what state you're in. Your teachers are overtired. You telling them information, they value that. They value that it makes them feel respected and then it gives them ways, like little tools in their toolbox of how to reach your child, how to help your child. They just need, they're just gathering as much information and support that they can because they are in it together with you. They are your ally. All yeah. your kids' teachers are your ally. And depending on the community you are in, your teacher, let's say your teacher is in your, your child's third grade teacher. That person might be at the high school graduation because some communities love the kids so much. They just celebrate them. And I think that's, they celebrate them throughout their school career. And I think that that is more typical than it's not. That once you have a kid in your classroom, they're your kid and you right. celebrate their successes. So don't be surprised that a teacher does that. And so if a teacher is going to exhibit that type of love and care for your kids, you can reciprocate by giving them as much information that they need and support that they need to do their job. Think about this. Yes, let me just point out, you said teaching is an act of service. And I said, thank you at the beginning of this episode, right, for your service as if you were in the military, but in nobody gets into teaching folks for the glamour and the big bucks, right? It is, it is unfortunately in this country, at least, and I don't know about other countries, but it is not a profession that is overpaid and underworked. It is overworked and underpaid. Mm -hmm. And people get into teaching because they love kids and they love young minds and they love being able to help them thrive. And so if you can empower your teacher with knowledge, knowledge is power. We talk about that in so many different areas. Mm -hmm. Why would you not want to help your child's teacher help your child, yeah. right? Yeah, and you know what? For the most part, I, you can't speak to all people, but teachers for the most part are good people and they're not going to laugh at you. Oh, girl, your boy cheated on you. They're not going to laugh at you because we have real life. Things like that have happened to us. They're going to express kindness and compassion to you and they will become your community so there's so much even still there's so much stigma and shame around divorce don't let that hold your child back communicate with your teacher they will be compassionate they will be understanding hi listeners it's susan so I get a lot of outreach from you with a lot of questions and a lot of people who are just feeling either stuck because they don't know where to move forward next in their divorce. Um, they don't know what professionals they should be hiring or what process they should be using to approach their divorce, or they just need some help strategizing a path forward. 
Well, in order to help, what I've done is I've created a strategy session with Susan. Um, I'm offering a limited number of one-hour strategy sessions each week, and in those, we will spend some time looking for some clarity around your situation and help in developing a plan that's going to move you and your divorce forward. So if you want to book one, go to divorcebeyond.com backslash strategy with Susan, and you'll get on my calendar and we'll get you moving forward. So again, that's divorcebeyond.com backslash strategy with Susan. Stay tuned for more from former teacher and mediator, Claudia Brown Coulter, as she shares her insider knowledge on how your children's teachers can be one of their biggest support systems. Your kid needs to find one adult that they feel connected with, and that will help them feel safe at school. All people at the school, all school personnel are trained to identify abuse, to be, uh, you know, identify signs of suicide, things like that, concerns, risks, factors. Everybody's trained on all that. They know to go and report it to the office or to call CPS. They're mandated reporters. So if your child's got somebody on campus they can feel safe with, you're winning. And that's good and you want to encourage that. If you're enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show with best-selling author and rock star realtor from the new Bravo show, Selling Beverly Hills, Natasha Sislow, as she shares her journey to finding love after divorce and loss. I promise you, this one will make you laugh, make you cry, and inspire you. It's so easy to forget all the love that we have in our lives. And not all of it is obvious. And not all of it is loud. It's quiet. It's in the corners and the tiny little spaces. And now we return to today's show. You know, you actually told me a story before we started about some teachers that helped a family where someone had passed away in the family. Yeah, uh, I believe it was like a kindergarten and first grade student brother's their mother was very sick and was in the hospital for quite some time and she died and the teachers went around and collected money and bought the family groceries and took it to their house and they would give us updates on the text messages about what's going on like that's not their job that's not their job but they cared so much they cared so much and then as the year went on we'd get text messages during the day oh my gosh so and so I don't remember the boys' names. Oh, today he had such a good day at school. It was the first good day he's had at school since his mom died. And everybody would celebrate. And we just kind of rallied around the family and rallied around the boys to support them. Because this is this is the rest of their life, a life without their mother. So in the, the little bit that that school can do, they're going to do. And, and they did. And that's the sort of you have the chance and you use the word ally and i think that's a very important phrase in all of this your teacher your school personnel the school community because schools are communities that that is an ally for your child that is a support system for your child and so you know what are i'm just curious what are some of the you mentioned you know maybe the school counselor Mm -hmm. the teacher can be more aware and empathetic um and be you know more hands-on maybe with helping a child or more understanding of what might be going on for a child what are some other ways that a school community or the school can help your children as they go through major changes um so 
there is like, there's a school counselor, but then there's also a lot of times there's therapists at the school. So maybe not just an academic counselor, but there's therapists at the school where you can request counseling. And a lot of times when you're not, when you are like divorced, if you want to do like outside counseling, you got to get both parents to sign off on it. It's not always that case at the school. A lot of times they just need one parent's sign off on it. And I've had parents ask me parent teacher conference. No, no, no. They didn't ask. I asked, Hey, you want to get your child counseling? Can I put her on the list? I think she needs some help. Yes, please. All right. There's a waiting list. I'll put her on. So that type of thing. Also, um, because my last grade that I taught was sixth grade. So I'm a teacher who texts and I would tell the kid like, you, so you need to find out how does school, how, how does your teacher like to be communicated with? I, I will read an email, but that'll take me some time. If you want to get me during the school day, I'm going to text. I would tell the kids, hey, hey, one of your mamas is texting me right now. Hold on. And they would all stop and be really good because they didn't know whose mama I was texting. <laughs> I was going to say smart way to phrase it. I didn't know. Uh, but I actually had a mom text me whose kid left my class earlier in that school year. She was like, you know what, Claudia? Hey, um, I was going through my daughter's phone. That's a boundary cross. She should not have crossed. I was looking through her journal. I'm really concerned about so-and-so who's in your class. Okay. Of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, you shouldn't have violated your daughter's boundaries like that, but I'm awfully glad you did. I text the principal, you need to come here right now because so-and-so's mom texts me about this girl right here and she thinks she's suicidal. Oh, no. And so right away, the school psychologist so a lot of times you you don't think about the school psychologist. You think, oh, well, that's just for kids who are in special ed. No. If there's not a counselor or an administrator on campus, if that school psychologist is on campus, they can come and intervene right away. And even if the school doesn't have a psychologist on campus every day, they're there at least once a week. So that school psychologist was able to talk to her. The parent was able to come to the school. She has outside counseling. They have counseling in the school. So the school, boom, right away, they took it very seriously. But the school psychologist is somebody that you wouldn't necessarily think of. You think it's just somebody who's testing for IEPs and disabilities, but that's not the case. They actually are there and they want to use their skills to to talk with students. Uh, So that's something that you wouldn't necessarily think about. And then I've been at other schools where the kids have really bonded with the custodian. And so they just find- Someone who's there every day. Yes. Your kid needs to find one adult that they feel connected with. And that will help them feel safe at school. Um, And if it's somebody that they can talk to, then that, if there are all people at the school, all school personnel are trained to identify abuse, to be, uh, you know, identify signs of suicide, things like that, concerns, risks, factors. Everybody's trained on all that. Uh, So they know to go and report it to the office or to call CPS. They're mandated reporters. So if your child's got somebody on campus they can feel safe with, you're winning. And that's good. And you want to encourage that. Yeah. Does the idea that the school has numerous people who can be there to be that support. And it may not be, I lo- you you pointed this out, you know, it may be the third grade teacher, maybe your kid's in fifth grade, but their third grade teacher is still someone they're close to. You never, I mean, I, I was my uh, fifth grade teacher who was kind of the person who changed my, the path of my mm-hmm. life. Um, but it wasn't until I think I was in seventh grade that, you know, I went to her with something and she helped me with it. And I just point that out from that perspective of 
it is a full community. Schools are little microcosms where your children reside yes. every day, or at least Monday through Friday, and often more than that. Let's talk about that fact, right? It's not just the school hours, but your kids are often there for maybe after school care, mm -hmm. for extracurriculars, for football games, for weekend activities. Your kids are sometimes there way more than they're ever in your home. Yeah. And these people talk. So like we taught, we knew the after school people and you know, the football coach and you know, like the community person is doing that, or maybe the coach is a teacher on campus, or maybe they're a teacher from another school. Uh, you know, these people and they'll communicate with you uh, because we all want the kids to be successful. We, you know, when you're a parent, you want your kids to go further than you do, than you went. Yeah. You want your yeah. kids to go further School communities feel that way too. They want these kids to go further and farther and higher. And so we're doing everything that we can to get them there. You know, all we can ask for, it's actually more than we should ask for from our school personnel. I really feel that that it's such an underappreciated role that people, that, that teachers and uh, and other I, I love that you're talking about the custodian about the coach about the yeah. you know cheerleading coach the I mean that's I'm just thinking of someone who was really impactful again in yeah. my life yeah um there are so many people there that can help you and help your children that you do need to reach out another one last topic I wanted to touch on was the fact that other kids in school, are also going to know or sense that something's going on or may have information through their parents about what's going on in your household. And that's another way where a teacher can, I think, help support a child. Is, is that true? Yeah, that's true. Um, so one thing could be like, you know, this kid had gone through it. A teacher might go, you know what? Last year, this child had the same thing happen to them. Last year, um, you know, Enrique's parents divorced too. And I already talked to him and, and he said he could talk. It'd be okay if you guys hung out and talked. But also a teacher can shut down conversations and shut down gossip. Like, mm, ah, ah, mm, mm. and they can kind of be real. Like, you know, we have a mean side. I told y'all to get back to work. <laughs> you know, because you can shut things down. Now you can't control everything that happens outside of your uh, presence, but you can create you can create this feeling in your room that you're all family, the best you can do, and that we build one another up. And granted, I'm a mediator. I'm a restorative practices practitioner. I ran community circles. So I didn't mean the fight didn't still break out last year on the one day I was absent. <laughs> of course it did. So mad. I'm still mad. You weren't there. I wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> but you can create a hopefully your teachers are creating a community of safety for your kids where they feel like they're part of the family and um, they can talk to their peers and their peers will be like, yeah, you're cool. I got you. Like, we don't have to talk about this. Let's just go play Fortnite. I mean, I don't, I don't think they play Fortnite in high school, but, <laughs> uh, but yes, teachers can create that safety for the students and they can yeah. keep things on topic and keep things moving and they can address it briefly. Okay. You know what? Everybody got drama in their lives. We all have drama in our lives. I'm divorced. Okay, let's go ahead and work on this math equation. And you don't make a big deal of it. Right. But you have to know what's going on in order to, to end run that. Because your face will tell on you. At least my face will tell on me like, oh my God, this kid is acting up again. 
<laughs> it was easy. I'm just we- thinking anyone watching the video version of this episode <laughs> knows that your face will tell the story. <gasps> I love it. It was easier when I had the mask on. Yeah. But the mask came off and then the, because the last grade I taught, I taught third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. I was out of the classroom for 11 years doing discipline, running intervention groups, things like that. But this last group of sixth graders, they would know. They knew my looks. They're like, we know what you're thinking, Mrs. Coulter. Oh my God, you guys are killing me. Uh, <laughs> but you don't you don't want your teacher to have that look. You you want them to have compassion. Susan, I know that this is airing around Christmas time. Yes, and I was gonna just raise that. So please, we this is airing before Christmas. And you know, the issue will always come up about a gift for your your child's teachers or children's teachers. And I just want to encourage all parents, you just heard this conversation, everyone, about how much teachers care and can take care of your kids. So I'd love to know like some ideas you have, having been a teacher for so long, some ideas you have for things maybe that might be a nice little gift for your child's teacher. You know, Teachers don't expect gifts, but they're always, always, always appreciated. So if you don't have a lot of money, have your child write a card or draw a picture, depending on their age. Uh, that handwritten note, that handwritten note gets pinned up to their wall and it'll stay there all year long. Like that, I had a student last year whose sister, she came to me. I don't know when it was Christmas time. She was like, she was a second grader. Um, my brother didn't get you a gift and that was wrong. So I made you a puzzle. <laughs> she made me a little card and I, I, I put it together, put it up with the wall. She come visit me. <laughs> Teachers have a ton of coffee cups. So get them gift cards to Starbucks or coffee bean and tea leaf or even like coffee itself. The other thing, we really like writing utensils. We like colorful writing utensils. I, I don't have my bag with me right now. Look, I got this. Look, see, look. <laughs> I, yes. I like pins of many, many colors. I thought it was just me, but it's not. Teachers like colorful things. We need sticky notes and notepads and little things that might say from the desk of Mrs. Coulter or from the desk of whoever your teacher is. Those are just small little things that are thoughtful. Paper clips, tape, like these are really, really small, minor things. But as teachers, especially considering the district you're in and how much money they do or don't have, a teacher would be like, oh, my God, look at all these paper clips I just got. Like, you would think someone gave us a diamond ring. You give us pens, paper clips, <laughs> sticky notes. We just feel like on top of the world. And you, I know you're thinking I'm crazy, but it's really simple. Now, if you really want to be out there, one year I had a, a parent bring me some Kahlua. I still love her. Like, <laughs> I cannot have this on campus. So I just put it in my car. I was like, I love Take you. it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, arrange that with your teacher. Give them a little alcohol because they need to drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will, I will direct people back to the, uh, the episode about alcohol abuse and use syndrome with <laughs> Dr. Cohen. But yes, you know, I, I think the key to the whole thing is, appreciate your teachers and showing the appreciation is wonderful at the holidays. Please do, but appreciate your teachers year round Mm -hmm. and also just, you know, make their, their jobs, helping your kids a little easier, treat them as an ally. 
They are there for your kids. You you just heard all the many different ways, and, and this is just, you know, 30 minutes or so of hearing what your teacher can do for your kids. So, Claudia, thank you again for your 21 years of, of helping kids, and I know you still are as well, and now you're helping families go through and restructure through the divorce and separation process as a mediator. I know you're spectacular at that. So tell people where they can find you. Make sure you mention your Instagram feed because uh, she is killing it in inst- on Instagram lately, everyone. Well, thank you again, Susan, for this opportunity. So you can find me at brownieculture.com. And if you're wondering, like, what the heck? Well, my last name is Brown Coulter. So brownie culture. So brownieculture.com. And that's also my Instagram handle. And um, I just kind of keep it real. Like, as you've heard today, I'm a real person. And uh, I'm not an attorney. Uh, so y- what you hear is what you're going to get on Instagram. And I just try to have a lot of fun. Um, so Instagram at brownie culture. You can find me at brownieculture.com. I'd love to talk and chat with you. And even if it's not something I can help you with, I'd love to just be a support to you because we all need support. And Susan and I have been through divorce and we help people through divorce. Divorce, you're not your bestest for divorce when you're going through a divorce. So you need people around you who can support you and we can support you. It's what we do. So, and I know she means it. Feel free to reach out to her. Go follow her. I'm going to have all of her contact information in the show notes, but it's at brownie culture or brownieculture.com. And go follow her on Instagram. She's hysterical. It makes me laugh. I look forward to her posts each morning. And and very helpful information, and it's a great way to get in touch with her. So, Claudia, again, thank you so much. And thank you for all you've done. Thank you for being a teacher, um, and thank you for being a mediator. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.